Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites, and this is what you're about to hear is a unique uh, episode, a very special episode of Jewish History Soundbites, and I venture to say that there's nothing like this has ever been posted here before. Just a couple hours ago, I got back home from a wonderful trip to Central Europe with Reb Shirley Bornstein and his Dafyei Michabura, and I was privileged to be together on this trip with my dear friend and colleague and collaborator, Davi Safir, and also got to meet for the first time the legendary Svarim Ch- Chatter uh, podcaster, host of the Svarim Chatter podcast, Nachi Weinstein. First time meeting him in person. And what happened was is that um, last night, uh, the trip uh, last night, it was 1.30 in the morning, and we're sitting around in the hotel, the three of us, and we decided to do something, test something, try something unique um, in recapping the trip, reviewing some of the historical sites we had seen, some of the stories that had been repeated, doing some analysis, and as is the nature of things, we were very overtired, and we were just sitting around together having a casual conversation with the recorder on, um, so, you know, we also enjoyed some light moments together, um, so bear that in mind as well. And we decided to share that with you um, as diving into both what a trip looks like and also some of the um, history behind the places we went to, the people and personalities we visited, um, and and some of the thoughts and uh, musings that we had about these uh, great historical time periods, places, and figures. Um, bear in mind uh, that this was without any preparation. This was a casual, light conversation at the end of a trip, like I said, also at 1.30 in the morning when we were a bit overtired. But I think that this is something that the listeners of Jewish History Soundbites might enjoy, my conversation with Davi Safir and Nachi Weinstein of the Farm Chatter podcast. And uh, please let me know. Let me know some feedback. And uh, here it is. And I hope you, you enjoy. Together with a special episode of Jewish History Soundbites, live from Prague. And I'm here with... Nachi Weinstein with a special edition of the Farm Chatter podcast, live and, from Prague. And we're here with our very good friend and colleague and collaborator... The one and only legend, Davi Safir, and the three of us are here together in a Prague hotel room on a very sp- at the end of a very special trip that we were uh, privileged to be a part of, a Dafyei Museum with Reb Srili Bornstein and the Lakewood Dafyei Michabura, um, which made a museum on Maseches Saito of the Dafyei and started Maseches Gitten, and um, we did this tour the last few days of Central Europe. Um, and we're going to recap a little bit of the tour and try to get into some history discussion here, all three of us together, um, and the, to the benefit of all the listeners of our podcasts. So actually the first day, uh, Davi was able to work out for us a very interesting tour of Vienna. Uh, Davi, can you tell us a little bit about what that tour was like and, and what, we, what we found historically interesting on that walking tour of Vienna? First of all... Thank you for having me on, guys. This is my first time ever appearing on a podcast, and quite frankly, I'm really, really nervous. It's 1.30 in the morning, we're sitting in a hotel room in Prague, and I think part of the fact 
that I'm doing this is because it's 1.30 in the morning in a hotel room in Prague. And we had a great time together. And we figured it would be a fun way to recap it would be by kind of hanging out together and hanging out with all of you and, and talking about this really incredible, memorable uh, three days where we ran around Central Europe with about 75, 80 guys um, led by Shirley Bornstein, uh, the incomparable Ellie Slomwitz of, of ENS Tours, my friend Sidi Rosen, who was instrumental in putting this whole thing together miraculously. And um, we kind of just did things on the fly, uh, at least the, the touring aspect of it. But uh, the day was really, was really, I said the first half of the day was, was pretty serious. It was, uh, it was Seder for an hour and a half in the morning and Absurdly gave a Dafyami Shir and really some of the most iconic locations across Central Europe. Um, we had a, the first Dafyami Shir was literally yards from the Chassam Cypher's cave. It wasn't in the cave because that would be a little weird. I like to have Dafyami Shir in the cave, although some people think that bringing guitars and singing inside the cave is also weird. And I'm yet to, you know, totally decide how I feel about that, but I enjoy singing, so it wasn't bad. But, um, that was very cool, and, and next day Yehuda was really for you. It was really special, I think. Yeah, it was. Um, so that first day, we before we went to the Chassam Seifer, we were in Vienna, and um, you. Nachi missed that part, right? So what we did was um, when we were doing a little research for this trip, like two days before, we realized that uh, it's kind of been. Auspicious time, and we're approaching a uh, an anniversary, um, and a very important anniversary. And considering this is possibly, I don't know, I don't know whether it's uh, Rabbi Stefanski or Shirley Bornstein's chabur, which is the largest family chabur in the world. I don't know, but um, both of them have tens of thousands of listeners, and really have have listened, changed the landscape of of Dafyami. and they literally have these followings that are incredible, and it's. It's literally everything Rabbi Shapiro ever dreamed of. And, and just look at the diversity on this trip, Chassidim, Svarim, Ashkenazim, even Ashkenazim, even Litvaks like me. But um, it's, it's really incredible. And so what we did was we realized that 1923 is the 100th anniversary of the first Kinsia Gedela when Rabbi Shapiro announced, dramatically announced, the... Uh, the idea, the concept of Dafyami, um, which Yehuda explained, you know, go back and you want to go back and just talk about how that all happened, how that went down. It's a fascinating story. It was. It, it is a fascinating story that that they Romero Shapiro, by the first Knesset of Gadol which took place in Vienna, he um, has this vision of Dafyami. He's somewhat unknown. He's a thirty-six-year-old rabbi in Sanok in Galicia at the time. And the Chafetz Chaim had, who was, you know, excited and wanted to help him with this vision that he had, and he had him walk into the Knesset Gedaila uh, later than um, uh, than everyone else when everyone else was already seated, and then the Chafetz Chaim stood up for him. Um, and uh, when when the Chafetz Chaim stood up, the everyone else saw the Chafetz Chaim standing up. And he, um, and he, and he, and, and, and everyone was 
you know, who is this speaker? And Ramey Shapiro was quite a dynamic speaker, a very charismatic speaker. So it, it, everyone was ready for whatever he had to say. And Ramey Shapiro spoke about his vision for Yeshiva's Chachmi Lublin. And he also mentioned the idea that we would bring the Jewish people together through their eternal treasure, which is the Torah itself, by everyone learning a daf a day, the same daf, and everyone all over would be united in this study of Torah by learning the daf yaimi, which was a somewhat revolutionary concept. He even very poetically said it, which we spoke about there, that um, he saw it on the daf of the Gemara itself, that the Mishnah was written in, in the Eretz Yisrael, and the Gemara was authored in Bavel, and Rashi was in France, and the Taisus were in Germany, for the most part, and the Marsha in the back uh, of the Gemara was in Ostroy, which is today in Ukraine, and the Marshal was in Lublin, and each one with their contribution came from a different part of the Jewish world, and they're all united on the Daf Gemara. So how would it be if everyone would be on the Daf Gemara learning that every day? But what Davi did for us is that for the first time, we've been to Vienna many times on tours, but he mapped out a route going to the buildings where the Knesset Gedele was, where the Chafetz Chaim in that famous video walked down. We were standing in that alleyway and dancing in that alleyway and pointing out the original building is not there, but it's uh, the same address of where the Knesset Gedele took place which was an amazing moment to be uh, standing there in the middle of the Vienna street and saying, this is where history happened, this is where Dafyaimi started. By the way, it's, it's, it's much more comfortable seeing you dancing in cemeteries, as weird as it is, as it is, and seeing you dancing with yarmulkes in the streets of Vienna, because those looks that we got, you know, it was, it's definitely never happened over there in that location, which, you know, which leads me to believe no one's, no one's checked out. I know that the... the Theater where the twenty nine, where the second Casino was held, it's kind of it was it was bombed during the war, but I think it was restored. I think Dershu once held an event there. But this is just an office building, but the alleyway. And if you look, uh, and if you look at the pictures, I think it's just time walking, right? You see that alley, and we sang and we danced and we spoke about it. We spoke about how how this Casino, this place where the Casino was held, was actually a circus. It was a, it was circus rings. It was a place where they put on high-end circus performances. They went from the old gypsy model of circuses to try and, it was a German company that tried to really turn the, um, turn circus into a theatrical performance with equestrian, gymnastics, all kinds of acrobatics. And uh, it became a, you know, it became something that was sought out, you know, by royalty and by, by the high class folk. And in fact, um, I think that that um, I think it was Franz Yusuf who had one of his quote unquote shevebluches over there at the um, at the circus. I think uh, one of the nights after we got married, there was a celebration and it was held here. So it, it was quite a it was quite an opulent place, but I would say that by 1923 it was somewhat run down because it had been built almost 75, maybe 75 years earlier. But I think that the question that I had going into this, um, and and I think some other people did, was if the Agudis Israel was formed in 1912 in Katowice, what takes so long for them to host a Concilio de Bell 11 years later, right? So I think that people who read um, we went through an article about the Rav HaNazir. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. And what does the Rav HaNazir have to do with the Gesir Gedalah? And, and 
his Rebbe, Rav Kook, has everything to do with it, is that Rav Kook comes in summer of 1914 for what is supposed to be the first Kinsiyah Gdala, which was to be held in Frankfurt or Berlin, I think Frankfurt, um, but I don't recall at the moment which city it was. He arrives in Germany, um, and not long after he arrives, World War I breaks out, and this Kinsiyah, which is supposed to be held in Elul of 1914, was never held. And obviously, Rav Cook ends up in St. Gallen in Switzerland, and ultimately in London through World War One. then he gets back to... to um, Israel, but obviously we're going off topic, you know, because I like to go off topic. Um, can we talk about Jenny Miller, by the way? Because that's what I thought we were going to do. I think, oh. I think with WCP, we have to talk about Jenny Miller, right? How, how, how is he going to do something and but not talk about Jenny Miller? The problem with Nachi Weinstein, because, you know, I really know only things that happened, I would say, I don't know, after Volodzhin opened in 1802, until the Byron Cutler died. So it's like a 160-year period. Nachi knows everything that happened, like the 2,000 years preceding so we're going to have to kind of find a, a middle ground. So we'll, we'll find some, some stuff that, that, that are interesting. We actually discovered that the super talented Nachi, um, besides for everything he did know here, he pointed out to us two drawbacks of our trip, that none of the places we, were, we visited were in Italy. So that kind of limited him. Um, and he also said that people like the Chassam Seifer lived after the 17, 1800s, and therefore, you know, not really an interesting time period in history. So, Nachi, what did you feel about the historical places we saw on this but trip? Prior to this trip, had you ever heard of any of these people? Like Chafetz Chaim and Chassam Soifer? Guys, guys, I learned Chafetz Chaim. Um, oh, wait, wait, forget it. I also discovered in this trip, I'm just going to go, well, we're just going to say it. Nachi's a pretty Jewish guy. I never realized this, but... But Nachi is for a guy who's like a strictly academic and he's in law school and uh, and uh, you know he hosts some some pretty high end talent on his, on his podcast. Yuda doesn't host anyone but himself because he's <laughs> high end talent. But um, pretty shivish guy, hat jacket, tits and hat. I was very impressed. Very, very impressed. impressed. Whilst me and Yuda, we were I don't think we were ever really hat and jacket all the time, tits out guys. But you know we're, we're still shivish guys at heart. Right? You know, you came to this trip, I don't think you brought a button-down shirt. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's just, you know, Listen, it's just you, though. I, I missed Vienna, as they said, so I don't have much to add on Vienna. Unfortunately, I wish I would have seen it, but the interesting thing is, you know, W mentioned walking through Vienna was uncomfortable. We just walked through Prague past midnight. You know, I walked through in a hat and jacket and tits out and white shirt, and it was very comfortable, no issues. A beautiful city, by the way. But anyways, what you were saying, so I do know some later history. I did learn in Yeshiva's Bar Hashem. I learned Chavaz Chaim. I learned many of these farm, you know, familiar with the Chavaz Chaim. You learned in Philadelphia, Yeshiva. Yes. Jenny Miller. Jenny Miller, there you go. Jenny Miller. Have you, have you ever heard of Jenny Miller? Mishpacha article. Really? No, what about the chair? Did you know about the chair in Shmuel's house? I actually didn't know about the chair. I mean, I've been in Shmuel's house. Obviously, we would go on Yamtiv. Like, for sure, as I met as I recall, he would speak in his house. Okay, but we made up, we're not talking about Jenny. But anyways, anyways, but going back to that, of course, like Yehuda said, is true. But I do know some modern history. I mean, I've done some things on the podcast. I know less than the two experts with me in this room in Prague. But uh, I do know something about it. But I think what was so beautiful about this trip, and again, like Yehuda said, I'll, I'll also recognize, you know, Elie Slamowitz and Ian Astores, Shirley Bornstein and the Chevra over here. It was really an, a terrific trip, uh, very enlightening. It was, it was really... Uh, we had just great Gashmias, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit, but also the Ruchni Seder every day, Dakemishir, and these places, these real 
places with major historical importance to the Jewish people, but also it was it was it was just a, a, a really interesting trip to see these places where, as we said, we went to the Chsam Soifer, we went to Bratislava, Pressburg, was Pressburg, and we get to see the, the Chsam Soifer and the Chsam Soifer in later history, but we also went to Nicholsburg, where we had some earlier history. We went to where there was the Rebbe Shmelka, but I was able to, you know, the Tzemach Tzedek HaKadman, and Renachem Edel Krochmel was there, an earlier uh, Mechaber. And was it was two Tzemach Tzedeks? <laughs> it's like there's, there's, for some reason it becomes instead of the Tzemach Tzedek HaAcheren it becomes the Tzemach Tzedek HaKadman even though major place another Who one was Menachem Mendel Krochmal tell us that tell me about him because I don't know he was um, it's going off and he was a, a major place at the time um, I believe I would want to say I'm, I'm going to try to recall who I, I think he learned by the Bach I'm trying to remember who he's a uh, Talmud of I think. But I wanted to just finish. The, the other one, you have the same type of thing, is with Rebbe Virgas. Just, I have to tie in Italy over here. I have to bring in Italy. Bring in Italy. Rebbe Virgas, the Shemer Emunim, one of the preeminent Kabbalim who explains the Kabbalistic, you know, basics. He's a basic introduction to Kabbalah, was the Rav in Levarno. Came from a very prominent, wealthy family in Levarno, and he lived in Levarno in the 18th century. And Rebbe Yosef Irgas wrote a famous sefer called Shemer Emunim. It is a classic work until today. Somehow, he was Zeichah with Shemer Emunim HaKadrin because of the Shemer Emunim. Now, you guys are the Hasidish, you guys here. For some reason, the Hasidim displaced these famous, world-famous Gedalim. And not to detract from the Hasidim, by the way. I mean, these, we're talking about major rabbis, but it's just an interesting thing. It, it takes away. They become, if you see any sefer today, Shemer Emunim HaKadrin, and it's Tzemach Tzedek HaKadrin. That's what they're called, even though they were major... Uh, sorry. Anyways, I just want to finish this thought with, um, I want to finish this thought by saying that um, it really was, we were able to see both new and old history. You know, coming to being in Holoshev, we saw the Shach, which is older, and we'll get to this, and then being in Prague, you really have history until, you know, from Victor Kara and from the morale, and then we got up until Shir, who, you know, just for Dubby special. Prague really excited you, Nachi. I saw that today. Uh, tell us what excited you in Prague. Prague really excited me. I think a lot of things. Being in, uh, also, I'll just say this, is my first time really in Europe. You know, sitting next to two veterans of Europe. This is like my first time. This is really um, but fascinating. Neither of us are veterans. We didn't fight in any army. I just to let you know that. <laughs> Veteran travelers. Okay. But um, it really was amazing. I, I think things that stuck out to me, being in the old cemetery in Prague, right, you know, Going into Altenaishul, of course, but the old cemetery where it's like you have the buildings all over bearing around you with the trees hanging over and all those graves sunken in, being all around. Walking in, the first kera that just hits you in the face, so to speak, is David Gans, the Tzemach David, the, the major historian, um, one of the, you know, Talmud of the Maral. He knew Brahi and Kepler and he was, he was one of the astronomers. I mean, he was a real fascinating individual. And, and the others, and then also going to the newer cemetery, of course, seeing the Nadi Yehuda and others, but... For me, um, one of Rabbi Flecklis, Talmud of the Neid of Yehuda. I've learned his Sfarim, gone through his Sfarim. Mitzvah Rabbi Lazar and Hagadah Shapesach, amazing. Um, his Oilish Chaydesh Harishin, Nasheni Ashlishi, his his drushes there. Amazing things that I've gone through and learned. And to be next to his kever and to, you know, you don't you're not in the same presence as him. He's not alive, but you feel that and you're able to kind of see that one of the And he was later history, guys. He's in nineteenth century. Uh, of Bezin of Prague so this is just something amazing but I'll let you go back I, 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 want, to, I want to point something out I come from the world of my background is a little bit in the world of finance and 
in the world of finance, we like to make fun. Is that nobody talks about a hedge fund manager? They say he's a big hedge fund manager. So I find by the like the Shadows and Chubas guys, you know, the guys that are into halacha, all that. Everyone's a big pesuk, right? So are there like small pesukim, or everyone's just a the big small pesukim? Everyone forgot about, and it's really the big ones that stood the test of time. I mean, just the night of Yehuda had hundreds of Talmidim. There's a reason people remember Belazar Fleckless and not some of the others. Because also, I think we said that Fleckless is like a top ten name. No? Top ten last name. Fleckles what does or it Fleckless? Mean? I don't know. I would suspect, and I haven't done last names yet on this podcast, I would suspect that maybe his grandfather worked in the local shlachta is flicking uh, feathers off of chickens. That was his job, so it was Fleckless. But it could be that there's 12 other explanations for what that name means. Yeah, I don't know either. I know he's a descendant of, I think his name was Mayor or Moshe Mayor Perilous, who was a dying. He was in Prague also. He wrote a safer, Megillah Safer. We have it on Megillah Esther. I know he's, Lezo Fleckless says he's a descendant of his. Isn't Megillah Safer of Yaakov Emden? That's his autobiography. One of one of uh, talking of Prague, a safer on Miss Ethel McGill. Who just like talk sports? Or something? Up and I'm, no, no, we'll state this. But I, I want to get to one more thing. You mentioned famous. I mean, I want to jump back to the. To the well, I want to go back really to pick it up, and, and we'll go in the, in the trip with Bratislava. But just you met, you asked about the Samach Tzedek, and his rabbi was the Bach. Um, his years were 1600, 1661. It's Talmud Ashkenazi, the Gershuni, another very famous place. But really, the Samach Tzedek is famous for he has he has involved with a lot of takanis. He was involved with, with the fish, breaking the monopoly on the fish. The guy were ripping off the Jews, and there's some other things going on. He is, he's quoted, what he means by a famous Paisic, I think, especially with the, with the Shalos Shuvas, is like Yehuda said. They last the test of time. They've been quoted again and again and again. I mean, there's many, many major Rabbana we don't know about. They didn't have Ksavim, they didn't have writings, whatever the case is. But he's someone that's quoted. He's a very big um, Paisic. And I mean... You know, I'll, I'll just leave it like that. So I don't know if you guys want to get back to, to Bratislava. You guys can really talk about this. But it is good because you, you're like, you, it's really Warnstein for sure, but you're like one of the arbiters as to the people who get to decide who is a big Pisces. You got to admit it, it's a good feeling. I, I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think I get to decide. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm a Barachi on this. You think I, what, what do you mean by that? Gets when Achi Weinstein says this, like this safer is a major safer, is a big price. Like, I, don't th- I, don't think, I don't think that's true. I'm not uh, qualified. Most of these are we're not learning yeshivas, right? And that's where people know about, for the most part, they learn about it. So if you're not like a bibliophile, right? And you don't know about these farms, so, you rely on a guy like you or like Israel who brings down all these farms all the time. Right? I think that's that's 100% right, though. To to find out, I mean, just... Not specifically, Nachi, but people like him. Nachi, there are perks to every job. In Mishpacha, we get to create Gedalim. So it's it's just a different... It's it's, it's a different thing. But but it's... You got to admit it. It feels feels good. I will say there's some truth because he is quoted in Allah, but again... Most people go to Nicholsburg as you went, right? You go there and you see the farm. You see Ramot Chabanet has this massive, massive kever. And next to Ramot Chabanet, Rabbi Shmelka has like a small kever with some gold on it. And then next to him is smaller is the Tzemach Tzedek. So he's there, but I assume that most people and most tour guides, not our expert tour guide, you the Geber here, <laughs> probably kind of, I, again, I assume, I, listeners can correct us, they don't know the Tzemach Tzedek, who he was, or Nachman al Krochmal, what's going on over here? Maybe they think it's Nachman Krochmal, I don't know, they're, they're confused with what's going on. <laughs> but, uh, right, so in some ways, yes, there's yeah. truth. We do know, and, and, and this has been pointed out many times, and especially in America when you go to the same, there's, there's zero correlation, and maybe, maybe it's the opposite, between Matzeva's size and greatness. And in fact, they're the people that build mausoleums for themselves, 
And even Rebbe sometimes, like, build mausoleums for them to prove how great they are, right? But it really means nothing. And you go to the old Jewish cemeteries in New York, and you see mausoleums built for people, and you see they've been locked for who knows how many years, and most likely they have no Jewish descendants even, many of them. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of Gedele Yisrael, obviously the, the major ones, sometimes it gets built later because it becomes a schiz and people start coming to their caver en masse, or like, obviously like the Zamarov, people like that, where they already know that it's going to be a major, major site. People are going to come welcome to Vila, right, the Baba Rebbe, people like that, they have, you know, they have, even like, you know, the little awning they have in Hiram Anuchas, right, where Aaron or Moshe, right, and where our bells are buried, they have like an awning there for the heat, right, and, and I think the two people I could think of that have like, uh, quote-unquote, uh, mausoleums in uh in Israel, right, are Romer Shapiro Harmanuchas. and Harmanuchas, right, are Har- Shapiro and the Chida. Harry Fischel. Harry Fischel, Harry Zayis. Harry Zayis. But I, I want to just, you know, he's Indian, to quote. Harry Fischel, by the way, needs uh, Jewish history. So I, Definitely. I just want to jump in before I get back to you, Huda. I want to, but Indian, Indian, but Indian. I said the quote was really here. But you see, it's not Yeshivish. Right? It, it, yeah, it, it, it sounded Yeshivish. Has anyone ever said that in your podcast? No, I never said that. Do you, do you use that, that on Svarim Chatter? It's not when you have guests. You, usually not. I was really born seen on this trip. This is what's really <laughs> used in the raid bites. But I want to point out something that goes very, you know, with what you're saying, Davi, is that there was one thing that really shocked me on the trip. It, it shocked me. It did. We walked into the basic forest, the small old one in Bratislava, in Pressburg, and everyone went to Chsam Seifer, rightfully so. Seifer. I mean, we're sitting there, you know. But... Right when you walk in there, it's like underground for those that have been there. I was the first time I was there. And you walk in, and the first kever on the right is a broken kever, and there's like propped up this yeshivish white plastic sign. Who is it? It's Ramashul Migra, who dies in 1801. He's before the Chassam Seifer. Ramashul Migra is the rabbi of the Ktsois, the Nesivis. In yeshiva, I grew up in Mesifta. I heard Ramashul Migra going Adir. Like, and his kever is can't even. Now, so my friend writes me, I put it on my status, he says, They can't fix Rashulam Igra's kever? So I wrote back to him, They can't fix Rashulam Igra's svarim? For those listening to the podcast, explain to me why Rashulam Igra's svarim, I'm not sure it's in print, even if it's in print, is this old, disgusting letters from back then. Why hasn't it been redone? Ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like an appeal. <laughs> if you do want to put out Rashulam Igra's svarim, Nachi Weinstein is, is interested in getting involved. And I'll be the first person to contribute. How's that? There you All go. Right. But 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 so we should put together a pro- I'll, I'll I'll you know if anyone else email me Svarumchatter at gmail.com. Oh, cool, cool. We talk about but but one more thing. <laughs> but one more thing before that. But what shocked me was is that Ramashul Migra was known as a going. I mean, he really was. And somehow, of course, the Chassam Soifer is, is is amazing. He just gets dwarfed by we had almost a hundred people in there, and every, almost every single person just walked right by him and had no clue that he was there. He was a few feet down and no idea. So that's what you're saying, like. Who makes or breaks Gedalim? It's, it's interesting. I want to, to say me. two points about that as the, the, the tour guide who brings the people to these places. And in Menachis, right, it happens every time. The point is, is that when you're going, Nachi mentioned two things the Sfarim, which I'm less involved in, that's his expertise. I, I'm more of a cemetery person than a Sfarim person. And uh, you're going to a place where more than one person is buried. The rule of trips is that you're going to focus on that one person, and it's natural. It makes sense. I could give you endless. Ex- you brought up an example just a few minutes ago. People are going to Nicholsburg. They're going to be going either to the Maram Banet or 
the Rebbe of Shmelka, more likely the Rebbe of Shmelka, and the Tzemach Tzedek or Menachem Elokrochmo is going to get overlooked. Um, I, get, I have an even better example. How do you like this? In the Isle of the Baal Shem Tev in Mezhebizh, the Ayv Yisrael, the Apterov, is buried next to him. I don't think on any tour we've devoted enough equal time to the Apterov. Maybe when we spent our time in his shul later on in the... In, in, you know, we go down uh, to his shul, like for Shalashudas or something, for there for Shabbos. But if you're by the kever, you're davening by the Baal Shem Tev HaKadosh. You're not really spending time yeah, with that's the that's not fair. That's not fair. I mean, you're always going to get distracted. You know, when you have someone like the Baal Shem Tev, it's not so fair. It's true, but it's it's similar to getting distracted by the Chassam Seifer and ignoring, so to speak, uh, Rabbi Shalom Igra. But could, could we discuss the Ichbin and Einikul phenomenon? And Srili, Rabbi Srili said something to me which, which really resonated. And he says that, especially you go on these trips, right? And you go to the Chassam Seifer and like half the people are Einikluch, right? Now the Behuda, half the people are, are Einikluch, right? Uh, uh, the Maral, people are Einikluch, right? Then we have the Einikluch of the Goylem. But, but, but uh, honestly, honestly... Being an anical is not just something to brag about. It's a responsibility. He says, if you're, if you're an anical of whoever, whomever, who, who, you know, there are svarim that, that are sitting here that have, that desperately need to be published or republished their manuscript form, or they haven't been republished in, in decades, right? And they're badly in need, right, of being fixed up. And some of them in the first place were never done properly, Right? I'm not saying we're in a position to do it, but, but you know, if you're an anical, you know, and you want to really, you know, do your job, you know, stop walking around and saying, Ich bin an right? We had this idea, right, by making those caps that say, Ich bin an and giving out different pins, like depending on who you're an anical of, and people could have like six pins, like Hassam Seifer, Moral. But seriously, if you're an anical and, and, and you're an anical of someone who, who's really put out some, you know, major works, written stuff, and, and you've never, and it's never been published, you know, do your job. Reach out to Nachi, and he could probably put you in touch with the right people who could do it. But this is, this is not an appeal, it's a plea. And, and if you want schusim, right, you go dive in there, put out their Torah, and, and, and you'll see, you know, I, I could, you know, I'm not the kind of person that says, uh, you know, he's going to promise you this, because he promised you that, but I think it's a, it's a pretty good one. I, I won't, I'm not either, I'm not a Segula person, but what I could tell you is, so besides of David Vespekever, you want, you want, for example, we're standing in Prague, the morale is here. The morale is a living person. The morale has Tzvarim, the morale died in the early 1600s. The morale talks to us today. You open up a Gvoris Hashem. You open up a Nezach Yisrael. You open up morale. You realize he's talking. He's talking to us still today. And Machon Yishlaim, Rabbi Hartman, just published a new edition of his Drush Alatayra for Shavuos. Brand new. You can read about the morale gave a sermon in Prague. Probably in the Altenoy Shul. You can read it now. He's here. But for some reason, I, I mentioned the Rishol Migra, this is an example of others. People say, like, like Davi saying, so go reprint the Svarim. They're talking, they're there, they're going to defend you, you're going to come up, they're going to these Svarim, are going to come and defend you. It, it blows my mind, the Svarim, not in print, not redone, not available. Forget manuscripts, which is even more money and more work, but the Svarim that are available, you can just redo, this is them. It, it's, it's amazing to go to the Kever and to Davin. But I would think, and I'm not qualified, so don't, I mean, I'm sure there's others say to go to the Kevarim, but you're literally printing their words, you're printing their Torah, it's a schus for their neshama, for them, that you're learning their Torah, you're making it available 
for them. And it's just amazing that people walk around. And listen, Rup Surly, as far as I know, is not an angel of Chassam Seifer. He just, you know, sponsored a brand new edition of Pituche Chaisam, the Chassam Seifer's Hakdama to Yeridea, the son of Shimon Seifer, Krakow, put together, Chassam Seifer's like Machshava and things, and, and, and put it together with notes, a beautiful brand new edition. So Maybe we need like a crowdfunding site where people could launch campaigns to put out Spark. That'd be cool. It's a good idea. Maybe, maybe we have a listener out here among the probably tens of thousands that are going to listen to this podcast um, that wants to put together a, a platform to, to crowdsource um, Svarm. That'd be pretty cool, huh? So I, I want to, it is, I want to, I want to make too much Svarm chatter, but to go back to Jewish history sound bites here. We're trying to keep things even. No, no, it's even, but I want, I want to, I think we should go in the direction of the I mean, going back to what I was saying about Bratislava, Yehuda's probably been there. I want to ask Yehuda a question. So my wife became the moderator here for a second. You've been there many times. My first time there. I said, I, this, this thing that shocked me. But of course, other than that, what is, I don't know, what stuck out to you from this trip, going to Bratislava, being by the Chassam Soifer, what stuck out to you from the trip? By the Ksav Seifer, what I liked was the, that um, I was, I was, uh, um, uh, Ksav is in the new cemetery higher up above the hill um, from where the Ksav Seifer is buried, and that's the new cemetery, which is pretty much intact, more or less. Um, and there were several people who told me before the trip, my, instead of Ich bin Einikel, this was a better one, my Zayda was the Reish Akuhul, in Preshburg, Bratislava, before the war, and since he was the Reish Akul and had a lot of money, he's buried next to the Ksav Seifer. And it kind of like brushed it aside, because what are the odds that, you know, so many people's grandfather was Reish Akul? What surprised me was that I found every single one of these Kvarim, and I took pictures for them. There are, some of them are my neighbors in Beit Shemesh, and uh, it was amazing. So that's what surprised me, and it started to get me thinking again about how large and prestigious and historic this community was, that there were quite a few Rashi Hakol over the centuries, and they're all really buried next to the Ksav Seifer, and some of them have some prominent, large, um, somewhat ostentatious Matzevas, gravestones, uh, that I noticed, and that was interesting to see. We also found some children and grandchildren of the Ksav Seifer, his youngest daughter, Simcha, um, who passed away in the early 1900s. It was amazing that 75 years after the Ksav Seifer's passing, his daughter was still alive. So she's buried right near her brother, the Ksav Seifer, and, and the Ksav Seifer's Rebetzin. Um, so we had we had uh, some of the Rebetzins too, which is always nice also, especially since Davi reminded us with the Jenny Miller article to never forget about the women as, as well. The next day we went to Holoshev, to the Shach, um, and... Uh, what? Oh, we did after Nickelsburg. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think yeah, of Yeah, went to Nickelsburg, and then we went to Holoshev and the Shach. By the way, Nickelsburg, beautiful town. Underrated. Beautiful yeah. town. Beautiful town to walk around. You feel like you're somewhere in the Mediterranean. It's really a nice town. Yeah, in it, fact, Davi and I, the Seder was, we have to admit, the Seder was going a little too long for our taste. Nachi was learning very stark. But Davi and I took a little break, went to a coffee shop in Nicholsburg, where allegedly Rebbe Reb Shmelka would go have his coffee. Um, so that was also pretty historic as well. I, I just want to jump in for a second, that it was a really pretty town. And if anyone wants videos of the mayor, you can ask Davi. <laughs> so, <laughs> by the way, yeah, if anyone does know, we met the, the there's a, 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 a Yid who lives out there, who really gave us a tour, a little bit of a tour, a fascinating person. 
totally fascinating person who seems to have devoted his life to taking care of the town of Nicholsburg. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to him because he's, he's, doing, he's doing great work out there preserving uh, basic forests. Um, he, some, it seems like he added that, like gold lace to Schmelka's caber, which definitely is Matseva, which is definitely deserving. Um, and also, obviously, we had the great Dovi Meisels singer with us on the trip, and we got to sing every year as a big tzaddik in Nicholsburg, right? Which is really, it's a, it's a, I think it's a nigan of the Nichols, the current Nicholsburger ever. So that was a, a Nicholsburger nigan that that we knew. But uh, since uh, you know. There's one HD guy sitting with two very academic guys. I'm just going to go back to Chassam Seifer again. But I have to say one thing. If you've never been to Chassam Seifer's Kaber, I can't even try and describe to you what it's like. And you, you can, you should probably, if he hasn't done an episode on it, you probably should. The whole story about how it came to be. But Chassam Seifer is buried literally in a tunnel, which is burrowed underground, underneath the train, the train. No, it's a it's a miracle, and, and people have tremendous chosim for saving saving that small part of the of the basic forest. But but it's just something about it. Going down there, it's dark. It's in this cave. There's just it's one of those it surreal. Um, it's it's surreal. It's absolutely it's dark, and you get that feeling in there. You walk in there single file, and and it's Chassam Seifer. It was you know Chassam Seifer, and it's. It's incredible. It really had that feeling, and it really lends itself to Tvila. like almost like no other caber I've ever been to. And then you know, I'm not a Hungarian or a Central European. You know, I, I, you know, I sometimes like to say that on one side my family comes from Lita, and the other we come from Lizhensk, right? So I love to hear Chassidish Shemaisas. I just don't ever believe them. But but really, I have no connections with Sam Seifer in that world, um, other than some of the Torah I've heard from Shruli and obviously others, because everyone knows some of the Sam Seifer's Torah. But but it it really is a surreal place. So on your next trip to Shaila, it's not that far from there. It's Kedai to go, and no one ever regrets going to Sam Seifer's Kaver. I, I want to add one more thing before Uda talks about Holoshev. Is that something that really struck me today in Prague? I'm not a Muffis guy, as Yehuda likes to say, but there's some, some type of just hashkacha pratis. When, when, when we saw this in, in, in Bratislava, with the Chassam Soifer in this cave, as Dovi described, and you have Amshol Migra and Abdenil Prostitz, you have others in there. And then we were in Prague, and we go to the new cemetery today. And this part was rescued in Bratislava. There's nothing left of the old cemetery. There's this little cave. And then we went to, in Prague, we go to the newer cemetery where the Nedim Yehuda is, and most of it is like, Gone. It's a parking lot, and there's a big building, and a huge TV antenna. I don't know what's going on over there. And you get to the back where the Rabbanim are, and Nadi Behuda, Rabbanim, and we'll talk more about it. That also was saved, and that really was saved the communists. It's just, there's a certain hashkocha that the big major Rabbanim were, they were saved despite everything else being destroyed of the cemetery. Well, yes and no. I think in Vilna there's still a battle, right, to, to try oh, and yeah. they're always... I'm just, there was a certain Ashkacha here that, that stuck out to me. That's all. But the trip that we went to these two places with these two basic cars, they, they just stuck out to me. That's right. I want to just describe the moment that Nachi had when he, he was able to go to the cave of Shir. Um, yeah, that was a very... Rappaport, the son of, who I discovered, I had no idea, was the son of the Ketzais, which is pretty major. Um, and, and Nachi loves to talk about Shir, as does Yehuda. And I had no idea who Shir was. I always thought Shir was a girls' camp somewhere in the Catskills. Um, I had no... I'm, being totally honest, I didn't know about Shir. But now I got to learn a little bit about him. But if you saw Nachi's face, 
um, when he when he saw the Matzeva and he started reading it. And then I got to walk with Nachi through the weeds, the tall weeds of the cemetery, and he like he knows these names of people like random people buried in the cemetery, like neighbors of Shear and cousins of Shear. And he was just describing, telling me this person lived here and that person lived here and that person was a doctor. This guy was a Rosh Hakul. And it was pretty cool because he, he really he really knows his stuff when it comes to, to that era and, and these and, and these people. Um, but uh, obviously going to the Buddhist cave was, was also, uh, you know, a highlight. The, the, it was. Uh, and... Uh, um, Nachi did 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 like going to Shir's cover. We also found um, Baruch Yetlis's, uh, uh gravestone. It was incredible. Nachi says it was his first time in Europe, and going this, he was almost like a tour guide. So I think we're going to make a push for Nachi to drop the law career. There's enough Jewish lawyers out there, and we need more good quality tour guides. So if you think Nachi would make an excellent tour guide. And you can share with us your thoughts as well about that. Um, the reason Nachi is fascinated, and I am fascinated, with people like Shlomi Yehuda Rappaport, the Shir, uh, or Baruch Yetlis, um, were because these moderate maskilim were also rabbis. They were what we would call religious rabbis, Shemri Tairu Mitzvahs, um, big Torah scholars as well at the same time. They're like these in-between figures because at the same time they welcomed and promoted the ideas and ideals of the Haskalah, of the Jewish Enlightenment. And therefore they're nuanced figures and they're exciting because our world does not like nuance. We like black and white. So when we find someone who's confusing to us, oh, he's a Moscow, but he's also a rabbi. He's a Moscow, like Baruch Yetlis, but he also respected the Night of Yehuda, and he also wrote a... What was the sefer that he wrote, Nachi? Tama Melech. On Shara Melech of Rabbi Yitzchok, Nunez, not Nunez, Mechon Yishalayim, Belmonte. Major sefer on Rambam. And, and here he's writing a commentary on the on this sefer. He's a rabbi in Prague, and he's also a Moscow. So they're confusing figures, and confusing people makes us excited. Maybe because we're confused, I don't know. It's something to discuss with your local therapist or whatever, and 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 to to see that and discuss that uh, can make it an interesting part of the trip. Obviously, not to take away from the main things like the night of Yehuda, or as we saw the day before in Holoshev, going to the Shach. The Shach is one of those farm that doesn't need reprinting. It's printed in every Shulchan Aruch, and it's such a classic sefer. And I pointed out to the group how he had finished it by the time he was twenty four years old. And I don't want to share with the listeners how unaccomplished I was by the time I was 24 years old, relative to what the Shach accomplished by the time he was that age. And you're in his shul. Um, it's not his shul. It's a 500-year-old shul, and many people dive in that shul. But the Shach was probably the most famous rabbi of that town. And again, we heard a very uh, nice shear from Rabbi Bornstein in a, in a place where the Shach may have give, gave regularly, we, not may have, he regularly delivered shiurim. And it's like uh, things come around again. The Taira is still being shared. And it was also a very historic moment um, to be there in Holoshev by the Shach. I appreciated really what Rabbi pointed out about the Shach, that he lived through the darkest of times, right? Gzeris Tachatat. And... Um, and he still remained this extremely positive person. 
and and if you look at if you look at his writings, you don't you don't realize that this is somebody that that literally went through hell, um, went through one of the worst periods in, in Jewish history, and and we tend to forget, you know, all these years later exactly what it was, but it certainly was, you know, you, you go. Mount Rushmore of, of, of awful periods in the last 500 years, or so five, 600 years, it's definitely, it's got it's to be up there. I'm not, it's not what I, 2.15 in the morning in Prague, we're not going to do like a Hall of Fame of, of Jewish, you know, tragedies, tragedies you know, but, but it really is something that it, it's definitely worth exploring again. I think Yehuda has a podcast on it as well. One of the early ones. Um, and you do too. With, with Professor Adam Teller, the post tech for that, I think he told me it's an excellent book, Rescue the Surviving Souls, and he talks about I think like a third of the jury was killed out. I mean, it was only like only fifty thousand people compared to like the Holocaust, but like I think that was normal. Like, I could be wrong, but it, oh, it's a third of the Jewish number. people living in those areas. In Poland, you know, the, the Polish kingdom of Poland, just like Ukraine and Poland, and 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 the Shach wrote a history of this, Megillus Eifa, um, and then there was actually printed Tzvi Rosen, it was a Ben Ben printed now. Uh, the Slichas, that for the first time since the, the Shach wrote Slichas, which we were like to say by the cover there. Right. With a new reprinting. There was the something else time. fascinating about the Shach Shul, um, which is, you look at Yaron Kodesh, and the Parechas is dedicated in memory of Relish uh, Teitelbaum, in memory of the Satmarov. And that to me was, was pretty, I don't know, I'm, I'm never really surprised, but... This shocked me. And Yehuda had a pretty good story to kind of explain yeah. the Satmer Shach, not Rav Shach, but Shach connection. That was funny. The first time I went to the Shach Shul, I noticed that someone had donated, it's recent donation, not pre-war, obviously. Um, and this, uh, uh, this, this uh, Shach, in the Shach Shul, there's this recent, this recent, um, uh, Parechas donation in memory of the Satmarav. So you got to find the connection, and luckily there is one. And the story I told was that there was this fellow who came to the Satmarav and asked him why the Shulchan Aruch doesn't mention in Hilchas Ribis that someone who loans money with interest, he's not going to have Tchias Amesim. The Gemara apparently says that if you do Ribis, you're not going to have, uh, you're not going to have Tchias Amesim. So why does the Shulchan Aruch say that? Mention that should mention that you're not going to be, be resurrected when when the when Mashiach comes from the dead if you do ribis. So the Satmarav on the spot, like instantly, responded to him, "Vas artir as is a shach. What do you care that it's just a shach and not the Shulchan Aruch himself?" So the guy was taken aback. So he went back and looked through every shach and Hilchas ribis. And he couldn't find it. So he came back a second time to the Satmarav and said, I couldn't find it in the Shach either. So the Satmarav po- opened up a Shach and he said, at the end of every section of the halachas that the Shach wrote in Shulchan Aruch, he, he, besides for his long, long, brilliant commentary, he also included a short poem at the, every, at the end of every section. And at the end of the section, again, the poetic the, the, the Shach had that side to him. Nachi mentioned his slichas that he wrote uh, after Tachvatatz. He had a poetic side to him. So at the end of every section of Halachas, he wrote a small, p- short poem about the Halachas that he had just written about. And at the end of the one on Ribis, um, he had this poem in rhyme that said, and it included the line, something about V'chai lo yichye, that he's not going to get up at Chiz HaMesim. 
So he hinted here that that uh, that he wouldn't have tchias amesim. So it's an incredible story, both about the shach, about what he was capable of—not just writing a pirish on on halacha, but also writing these poems and hinting in these rhymed lines of the poems further halachas that you would never have guessed. And then the incredible wisdom, the Torah scholarship of the Satmarov, that instantly he was able to know not just what the Shach says, but even what he says in his little poems at the end of every halacha. Um, that was the Shach. Now, we came to Prague. Um, and um, the Prague is, is of course, the Alt Neishul, and the Maral, and the Kliakar, and the Neide Yehuda, which was a major highlight especially in the context of Rup Surly Bornstein's Dafyaimi Shir. It's a favorite, um, uh, someone who's cited one of the most there. Um, but Davi and I's favorite, and this is something Davi was able to share with the whole group, was that it's also the place of the, of the Gailam. Um, and uh, something that I mentioned at the, before we get to what Davi spoke about, about the Gailam, it's something that I mentioned at the entrance to the cemetery is that the Maral, through his Sfarim that Nachi mentioned before, is taking us as Gailams and making us into wise people. The Maral gave us these incredible Sfarim, this incredible tire of the Maral. And if we engage in the leg- Torah legacy of the Maral, then we as Gailams can actually become Chachamim, we can become wise people. So why don't we focus on that aspect of the Maral? Of, make, of him turning us uh, into, you know, away from being Gailams into wise people instead of focusing on the supposed Gailam that the Maharal uh, made. So what did you, what did you speak about, Davi? Well, first, first, of all, first of all, if you would have asked my Rebbeim growing up if I had a better shot at becoming a Gailam or getting, getting a chance to speak from the pulpit at the Altenu Show, I think they would have gone with being a golem, right? <laughs> so, so I have to say, kudos to Eli Slamowitz, who was able to uh, rent out the Altenajul for a couple of hours. And uh, I had a chance to, uh, to speak for a few minutes, and, 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 we, and Yehuda spoke a little bit. Um, and, and we spoke about the, the history of the Altenajul, and of course, you know, like America runs on Duncan, Prague runs on the golem. Everything is the golem. Everywhere you go, they're selling these little... These little menchies, uh, you know, that look like the Gailam, and there's Gailam restaurant, and Gailam this, and Gailam that, and there's a big Avoid Zara somewhere of the Gailam. And, and literally, it's like the most exciting thing going in, in Prague, especially when hockey season is, is, not, is, is inactive. But um, so, so we had a chance to speak about, about the Gailam, and, and of course, you know, lots of people asking, is it true, is it not true? And, and someone said, you know, there's no way you could prove that someone didn't have a Gailam, right? You could only prove that someone had a Gailam. But um, I think that, that we're able to, to, to go through this story, and the way, when we look at all of the, the details, um, and we dig deep, we can see that it's 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 pretty hard to fathom that the morale had a garlem, um, and I think that we once we, we did actually write a for the record column um, with a with an article that we found going back to 1861. I'll read it quickly. It says Prague. Some young men again had the courage to break into the garret of that remarkable old synagogue called the Altenoshul. 
the first time we were among them and found many things remarkable to the antiquarians, such as a bill of divorce dated in the year 1407, a scroll containing the sections of the prophets as read in the synagogues, supposedly hailing from the 13th century, and which is the most remarkable among the fragments, a musical percussion instrument. There was also found a collection of psalms with peculiar signs over the words supposed to have served as musical characters. The golem was not found again. I'm not sure how much of this is satire at the end, but, but it seems like this was a regular occurrence where you already get to the mid-late 1800s, the rumors of the Maral's Golem, um, based on a, probably the first book that appears. And these are really um, the, first, uh, the first we hear of the Golem, right, is, is, around, is around then. Um, and, and, and if you go back to the time of the Maral, and you're not talking about... I mean, what year did the Maral die? 1609. 1609, right? So, so we're talking about a time we have recorded a spade from, say, David Gans, right? Who was a historian. And a close Talmud of the Maral. Close Talmud of the Maral, who would have enjoyed nothing more than to write about this incredible phenomenon that was, that, that was the Gilem, right? And, and there's nothing, right? There's other spadim of Talmudim. Nobody writes about it. You have the Chida, Shem Agdailam, right? Who talks about everything that he saw in Europe and the people he met and definitely talks about things that he heard about. And, and the Chida would have been fascinated, right? By the story of, of Gailam. And the Chida probably of people in that era was somebody that would have known how to create a, a Gailam, right? And he also writes about all the quote-unquote Gailam type people that he meets. But that's, <laughs> that's part of what's, what makes his memoirs, his travel diaries, so interesting. By the way, I mean, Nachi seems to every week tell me about a new version, right? Three new ones. Three new ones that come out. So I think there's, maybe there's like a competition who could put out the best version. But uh, absolutely, definitely one of the, one of the most fascinating memoirs. Um, ever, you also mentioned in the Adli Shul that the, the, sec- the general source, the Christian sources don't bring any either. You mentioned no, yeah, until until much later on, children's books. But but what's really interesting, obviously, is the research that Professor Schneider Lyman has done, um, and 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 recently, Ira Robinson's book on Rabbi Yil Rosenberg of of Montreal, and his whole story of the uh, of, of the safer that he discovered or or supposedly discovered in the Royal Library of Metz. Right, which had all kinds of stories, fascinating stories about the Golem. But we later find out there's a small problem: is that first of all, there was no royal library in Metz. It's probably a library in Metz. But he he, he claims that he found a manuscript written by the Maral son-in-law, which had all these incredible stories. But but when examined closely, you see that. There's some problems in that. Number one, the Morales Sutherland refers to himself as Zatzal, right? Usually authors don't write articles or write, write books when they're Zatzal. And he also makes mistakes with regards to the Morales family. So it's clear that the person who wrote this was not the Morales son-in-law. Um, and later on, 
which is interesting, is that is what Schneider Lyman uncovered, is that when Hugo Rosenberg classifies his, he, he, I think he wrote he wrote one of the first translations of the Zyre, Hugo Rosenberg, Rosenberg put out many many different svarim, and he classifies them in different categories, and uh, one of them is folklore, and he he puts the morale. He puts the Floyd Samaral in that in that in that category, so so probably either he realizes that you know he, he made a mistake and he, he shouldn't have put this out and now he's admitting it, right? Or he always knew and and you know he needed to make a parnasa, so he he put that out. But but the riots, the proofs, you like that? You should you worry there, right? The proofs that that the, that the the Gailam ever existed. They're not really there. Um, there, there are a couple of other. Um, there are a couple of other interesting anecdotes to mention. The, the stipler does mention, like I think he says the Bavusta Goylem, or um, I don't remember the exact terms, um, but but it seems to be that that it was that when he when asked about it, he said he's saying the Goylem, like that that people talk about, not like the. He's not saying that there was a Goylem. He's saying that people talk about. Morale having a golem. I don't believe that the stipler ever said that he believes that the morale created uh, a golem, right? But we quite frankly, know. I don't think the stipler researched it either. He had better things to do. Right, right. That's true. But but we do right. We have um, we have the. Yes, I was going to add the Chacham Tzvi in Chuvans in Simon Sadi Gimel has a Shaila of a Goylem Minion can account for one of the ten of a Minion. And he says, like the Goylem that his grandfather, Belio Bal Shem, who was the Belio of Chel, made a Goylem. So, first of all, that's a mention of a Goylem. And he says, and Rabbi talks about Megillah Sefer, but the Chacham Tzvi and make no mention of the Morales Goylem. That's the one they're mentioning, not a Morales Goylem. Maybe it got conflated, confused, I don't know. I remember hearing of Aaron Lapiansky Shlita uh, talk about that tshuva, and he says that somebody once asked uh, a rabbi about that, right? About whether a goyim can be sire for a minion, and, and the rabbi said, "I have an entire shul of goyims." He says, "So it was a pashtus, right? They they can be, um, but but um, there are, there are there's there and, and then lastly there's the 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 uh, story of the rayats the the river rayats. Um, of Chabad, who the Friedrich Rebbe, who as as a, as a child goes with his father, the Rebbe Rashab, and they go visit um, Prague, and I guess because of who he was, they're willing to bring him up to the attic. By the way, we were not able to get we were able to get out the show for two hours, but we were not able to get to get into the attic. Uh, I don't think anyone's able to get into the attic anymore, and that's the first question everyone asks about that attic. Um, but but he describes there um, the 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 Rayatz's daughter, Rabbi Sinchana, said as follows: I then asked my father to tell me what he'd seen there. My father paused for for a moment and said, "When I came up there, the room was filled with dust and shamus. In the center of the room, I could see the form of a man wrapped up and covered. The body was lying on its side. I was very frightened by the sight." I looked around at some of the shamans that were there and left frightened by what I had seen. So, so what did the, the Friedrich Rebbe see? Who are we to say what is Adik like that, what he saw, right? But he was a child. Um, and, you know, I don't know what they told him. I don't know what he saw. But uh, probably that's the closest we have to, to uh, anyone 
saying, you know, there is there was a Marcus Hirsch, um, who who, like, early in the twentieth century, says he heard from a former shamus, who heard from his predecessor that they were the ones that bury the remains um, of what was left of the Gailam in together with the Geniza that was in the attic, right in the in the cemetery, um, in, in Prague. But but there really there really isn't much else in terms of proof. But that hasn't stopped the city of Prague from capitalizing big time on, on this <laughs> myth um, and, and making a lot of money. So listen, can we say whether the morale had a golem or not definitively? No, you know we, we're going to leave it up to, to you to make that decision, you the listener. Um, but uh, but but to me, it's it's pretty hard to imagine, and, and, and to most almost all the major scholars out there, as many. You know, Gedali Yisrael, you know, they don't seem to take the whole story too seriously. I would add two more things to the, just to, to wrap it up. Number one, in, 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 uh, in history research, we learn a, a basic idea that if something should have left a trail of sources and doesn't, then that's the greatest source imaginable that that, that occurrence didn't take place. Not everything should have left a, a, a source behind. Some things are insignificant. If someone in some random little shtetl um, threw an apple across the road, then I wouldn't expect that to be recorded anywhere. But Prague was the capital of the, of the empire at the time. Um, the Maral was the most famous rabbi in the world at the time. He had hundreds of Talmidim. There would be church records, political records, rabbinical records, farim. Something should have been left in the and record. Way, he was close to the royalty, right? He, and, he and, had an audience with Emperor Rudolph. And, and there would have, there's no doubt that when, they, yeah. when there were reports of that, right, there would have been said that this is the guy who created the Gailam, right? Right? And they probably would have locked him up for that too, or they would have asked him to create all Gailams for, for their army, and, and we could stop with the Gailam jokes, but, you know, let's be honest, they may have had an army of Gailams, <laughs> but, but, it, it's just really hard to imagine. So, so there are those who do say that that part of the whole deal with Talmudim was so Gailam was that they were sworn to secrecy for life. It's speculative. The the last thing I want to say is, is that I know we have a lot of Chabad listeners out there, and I don't want you to take us the wrong way, uh, because I've had you know some some disputes and and uh, you know some some hate mail as well in the past. This is in no way means to disrespect anyone who claims that there was a Gailam. And it's a legitimate opinion, and if the Friedrich Rebbe says he saw it, then I believe him that he saw it. I'm not sure what exactly he saw, and I don't know what details that tells us about what the Maral used with this Gailam, but, you know, that's fine, and that's a very legitimate source, and that's great to believe it. And if your Rebbe said it and you believe in the Rebbe, go for it, and no, no one's telling you not to, and, uh, and we're presenting... All the different uh, versions here and all the different sources here, and along with our own skepticism, which I think we're allowed to have as well. And what I would add to this is what you would have said in the beginning of this conversation of the Gaelam, which is what I heard in Yeshiva, kind of what you said, Yehuda, which is it's irrelevant, really, if the morale made a Gaelam. What is important is that the morale wrote Gurariye, and the morale wrote his other Svarim, 
and the morale was the morale. The Gailam part is irrelevant. It's, irre- it's relevant for the city of Prague and their tourism <laughs> industry, but it's not really relevant uh, for us. And I'll, and I'll add also something about Trevito Rosenberg that I actually have somewhat a cousin who's a descendant, so, but about him, that he was a Tamil Chacham. Um, he actually wrote, say, for Yadis Nadarim on a Dharam that's used in other Was he in Kulu by the way? I don't know. But, he, he, but he, I will say, we know he forged definitely the Maral's Haggadah that he found in this Royal Library, that, there, that is not true. The Maral wrote Gvurus Hashem that has parts of the Pesach, and it's been now created into Haggadah. But what he did, there was no Haggadah either. So we know there's definitely a lot of questionable stuff. Um, when I had Rabbi Shul Hartman, the foremost expert on morale, you know, you can listen to that podcast episode from a while back on Sparm Chatter. He didn't want to give an answer. He didn't want to say, again, same thing. I don't want to say for sure not, but, you know, whatever. That's the, the, the same kind of thing. I, I, I want to say, so going back to something else about Prague, I'm in Prague today, I think that's the Gelem. There's a number of other things that stood out to me, being in that old cemetery I said that was really awe-inspiring, is, uh, first of all, so the cover of David Oppenheim, who I've done a podcast episode in the past. I don't know if you have Yehuda, uh, if you have not. Um, he's the you know, major bibliophile chief rabbi of Nicholsburg before he came to Prague um, in the early 18th By the century. Way, underrated rabbinate, Nicholsburg, right? Yes. Major I don't think most people realize, right? You go through who were Abonim and Nicholsburg. Maral was also a rabbi Maral. there. Who else? Shamshin or Falhurst. was it, right? Isn't that was he in Frankfurt already when he applied for the for the job as chief rabbi of, yeah. of England? Is it in Frankfurt oh, already? I, or was, I, that, I was he in Nicholsburg then? I don't even remember. Another thing we wrote about a long time ago. We could probably go back and look. I don't remember. <laughs> but but it's fascinating because you think of Nicholsburg as some backwater, but it, but it really is is not. Right. Rav David Oppenheim was there. Rav David Oppenheim was was uh, you know I, we walked into the shul today. What, what was that the 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 in the Kloys, in the Klaus shul as they call it now? And the Arnkaidish says you know Katzin whatever Shmuel Oppenheim in Tafnun Vav in in. in uh, 1696, and Rav Oppenheim was fantastically wealthy. He was a courtier, Rav David Oppenheim's uncle. And Rav David Oppenheim becomes the chief rabbi of Prague. He has a major library, which stays in Hanover because of the censors. It doesn't come here ever. There's a whole long story how it ends up being sold. It ends up in Oxford, in the Bodleian Library. You the MS Up, OPP. And uh, he, he, many svarim that we have today, they're original old editions or uh, manuscripts, they're only because of this library that we still have them today, and now it's in Oxford. So besides reading a major Tamil Chacham, Chuvis Nishal David, other things that are recently being published from him, Shem David Alatera, Yad David Alatera, Megillah Sefer, Mesechta Megillah, someone just printed, massive Sefer. So he gets to his kever, another one, the, the Kliakar, I think we mentioned, and then um, um, Rivka Tiktiner, uh, Menekes Rivka, Yehuda talked about this, Yehuda can talk about her more, he goes to her kever when he comes here, but... She was the f- uh, the first full sefer by a woman that we know, printed in Prague, sixteen oh nine in Yiddish. She was a sefer. I mentioned this that uh, to people, to people on the on the trip that uh, the the there was a journal Tfunot, so Tfunot that uh, I don't know if it's still around, but it was pretty recent, a couple of years ago. Blue, thick, big volumes that in I think volume one had half of it, and he, they translated to Hebrew. And volume two was the rest. I was interested in I'm sure you could find it somewhere. I don't know if it's on someone uploaded it to Academia or it's on Chachma. It's probably. On, uh, I don't remember who did the work, but that's a very interesting safer. So she, her cover, she's very good. in Poland? She was from yeah, Tiktin and she moved to Prague. Who was the row of Tiktin Rome Kamenovich, right? He was the last row of Tiktin. Yeah. Yeah. She, but she gave, she gave, so it says, I think it she... It goes back to the mirror. We haven't mentioned uh, the mirror go. once. It's all bought. You have to get it in. If Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg is listening, he's probably waiting for that mention of the mirror, so... <laughs> she gave, she gave, so she gave sermons. She spoke to a woman and she published a, a safer. 
uh, very interesting uh, person. And then there's a Rigdor Karad, okay, 1439. There's others, it's just really interesting. Besides, as you said, the second one, you mentioned Shear. Yeah, he was, listen, Shear was, like Yehuda said, a complicated person, the son-in-law of the Ksais. Everyone listening, it was a masculine, but if you read Avni Meluam, he's the Magia and Avni Meluam, he published Avni Meluam. And what's interesting, he was the first major biographer. He wrote many biographies on Rabbeinu Nisim, Rabbeinu Hananel, uh, the Aruch, Rav Nassim, Rav Sajiga, and the Aruch, uh, and many others. So, and Erech Milin, he has a Sefer, he has many works that he printed. And uh, we got to see Rav Loza Fleckless, and Rav Shmuel Landau, and Rav Naidi Behuda, of course, as you mentioned. Rav Achol Backrack is right next to Naidi Behuda. He was the grandson of the Chavos who Abbez in here after. And also Basal Ransberg, as Yehuda showed me his kever, sunk in a little small kever behind the Naidi Behuda. And he's in every Gemara. I mean, a major figure in Prague at the time. It's really... Guys, this was a lot of fun. You think they were to get food here at 2.30 in the morning? <laughs> we had a big dinner, but it was a long time ago. I'm kind of hungry. Oh, this, is, this was a great trip, uh, rich in history. We hope to have many more trips. Uh, be in touch with me. We're going to make Nachi into a tour guide, and we're going to bring Dovey yeah, on more trips, too. I can tell you, this is my appearance on Jewish History Chatter, I guess that's what we're calling it. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get invited back. But... but um, I think these trips are amazing. And I think that, you know, I did it with my shul last year together with Yehuda. And I think many of the guys said it was life-changing for them. It really was. Um, and, and I encourage everyone, you know, it, it, can, be co- it can be costly. You know, there are ways to do it economically. Um, you can backpack through Europe, as I once did. I didn't really go with the backpack. I did the Jewish way with a couple of suitcases. But but um, but go and see these sites and, and really learn about them along the way. And there's just something in Achim for the first time. There's just something about about being there, right? Right. Uh, we were talking earlier about Mike and the Mad Dog, right? Mike Francesa always says about being in the building, right? When you're in the building, there's just something about that, about being in the building, being there, right, in the place where it happened, and it just takes. It takes your knowledge and your interest, right, to a whole new level when you can actually see. And in Europe, we have that. We have these, you know, a lot of them are reconstructed, but you walk these streets and you see these buildings. And we actually tried walking into the uh, to the Prague Opera today and we got one of those, you know, I'm not sure if it's union run at this point or what. Privat. <laughs> but, but the guy basically told us to get back. So so we left, even though we said that there, was, there was something going on there. We just wanted to see the building and the guy threw us out. But, but, but an opulent, you know, beautiful building, right? And and it's just, you know, it, it's coming. To people, you know, who grow up and wherever you grow up, whether it's in New York or in Melbourne, Australia, or whether it's even in London, you know, London isn't quite the same as these uh, cities. So 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 come out here and check it out because it'll really it'll mamish change your life. And I want to say that Yehuda is an excellent tour guide. <laughs> I've heard Jewish history sound bites, but. I haven't been on a tour with him, and it's not the same. I know listeners to the podcast; he's a great podcast host. But Does he still have a podcast? <laughs> ah, well, well, this is this is an episode. Here we go. But really, I was super impressed, and and I have to say, Dovey's right. Being somewhere I was never here before is something that uh, people should do. You, we should, you know, we should go to Italy or whatever, make another tour. But it's just you walk in the places that the Gedolim were. You're going in their shul where they gave the drush. You know, today, Rabbi really want. Uh, I think he said over parts of. Today was the day, today, the day we're recording this, earlier today was the day that Rosa Fleckles gave a hespit for the Night of Yehuda 
uh, in the Klaus Shul. And so he was able to say over parts of that Hespid. And, and actually... Yeah, he said it was 230 years 200, to the day that he delivered this Hespid. To the day, and it was the Siyam on Masech Saita, and truly was reading the last two lines. He said this by the Siyam, and I jumped out of my chair, I told truly, which it says, Memtes Amidbez, and part of the Hespid of Saita, Memtes Amidbez, Rabbi Flaklis is talking about it. It's an Eilish Chodesh Shlishi, I believe. Mili de Mariri, I think. I think that's where it is. I believe that's where it is, which has been redone, by the way. His, his, the most of his farm. I think you have to add the... If you live under a rock, and you haven't heard of Shirley's Share Liquid, that family pleasure, add the links um, for those who want to listen. Even if you, even if you don't follow Daf Yami, he has these raid bites, which are these little little nuggets of information of, you know, some that, that are sometimes closely related, sometimes loosely related to the Daf. Today he spoke about the... Famous Cleves get, um, and and trust me, you'll really enjoy listening to to him. His passion alone makes it worth listening to, and um, certainly more than listening to me. And and yeah, but I'm glad you guys had me on. And yeah. uh, thank you, thank you, Davi, for coming on. Thank you, Nachi. Um, this was a lot of fun, and um, it was great having Nachi on the trip. It added a lot. And, uh, By the way, I convinced him last minute, like literally. Dovey and Shirley, call me up Thursday afternoon. <laughs> Nachi, finishing my law school we, exams. We need you. We need you to come. And uh. Nachi really added a lot. People were walking around the cemeteries, and Nachi's just like spitting out information there. Like, yeah, it's like an encyclopedia. Right. So I knew nothing, of course. No, Dovey knew plenty. Dovey yeah, added a lot as well. And we'll just. But if we do this again, we could do like Valajan and Amir and things that I know. Jenny right, Miller, right. We'll speak about Jenny Miller and Valajan and. Blake Malin. And on, the Chafetz Chaim. Why is we'll it going to Philadelphia? Let's go. <laughs> and we get people signed up for that. <laughs> I know it's not the same. I know, I'm kidding. But, anyways, but this is amazing for me to come on. And uh, thank you to El Islam with ENS Tours and Shirley Bornstein and everybody. It was a really <laughs> fantastic trip. And uh, thank you for listening to the episode. This was Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can uh, be in touch with me at yehuda.yehudageber.com for questions, comments, tours, trips, sponsorships, and lectures. And subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on your favorite podcast platform. And here's Nachi. Yes, with Sfarim Chatter, the Sfarim Chatter podcast, so you can be in touch with me. Also, sponsors, I don't know about tours, but maybe Yehuda wants to do it. But anyways, you can email me, nachi at sfarimchatter.com or sfarimchatter at gmail.com. And also subscribe and check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can email these guys and, and they'll filter it for me. But, you know, if it's something nice, I'll, they'll follow Unless it Unless it's on. about Jenny Miller, not about Philadelphia. Jenny Miller. Then you can send the email. Lala Tov.